Hello everyone and welcome to episode 92 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and I'll be your host today. And as you can tell from the title, today's episode is all about Caribbean Christmas fruitcake. I feel as though I'm in uncharted territory with this episode today because I actually can't eat cake. Um, I'm allergic to egg. I've never had Caribbean Christmas fruitcake. Um, and it really upsets me saying that. I've literally never had it in my whole um, existence. And I'm going to do a whole episode on cake. And at the end of this episode, I won't even be able to eat any. So please get your tiny violins out for me. Um, but if you do like cake and you do like food, maybe don't listen to this episode on an empty stomach because I'm going to be talking about all the ingredients of the cake, the history of it, how it was made, why it was made um, and why we eat it today. Well, not me, but, you know, other people. <laughs> Fruit cake, rum cake, black cake, Christmas cake, Caribbean cake, whatever cake you like to call it. And it does go by many names, depending on maybe where you come from or maybe who made it for you first. Um, the cake in question um, goes by many different titles. But at the core, there are some core ingredients that feature, that represent, I would say, the symbolism of the history of the Caribbean, including colonization and the industries that took over um, in the islands and regions in the Caribbean when colonialism began. Um, fruitcake, as I'm going to call it, because that's what my family call it. We call it, uh, to be fair, we actually call it lots of different things. It just goes by any name, but fruitcake for the episode today, I think, um, it's kind of an edible piece of history in a way. It's a tribute to those that fought for the freedom of the descendants of enslaved people and enslaved people in the Caribbean. They fought against colonialism. They fought through the sugar trade, you know, in rebellions and uprisings um, throughout the period of enslavement in the Caribbean. The ingredients of the cake, the sugar, the molasses, the rum, the fruit, they're what kept colonizers on the island for so long you know if we think about the last episode of Richard Drax um, and his descendants the Drax family in Barbados they stayed in these islands these European colonizers from all across Europe staying in the Caribbean staying in South America staying in the um, southern parts of America as well um, because of the money that was being made the money that was producing the sugar that was creating rum tobacco cotton and all the other things but the sugar molasses rum are key components of fruitcake. They are what make that cake. And it's why the cake kind of is a kind of form of symbolism of all these kind of historical um, industries and moments and, and the history of these islands is all tied up in this cake when you think about it. It represents that big, wide history. And it's kind of why I wanted to talk about um, the cake today. Fruitcake um, is a real labour of love. The ingredients outside of this cost of living crisis are so costly because the cake is so rich and if you receive a cake a fruit cake a rum cake a black cake from a family a friend a loved one just know and understand that a lot of time and love and energy and history has gone into the making of that cake um it represents i'd say a deep token of of love respect friendship maybe um and being given a cake, especially at Christmas, um, is definitely an honour above everything else. My family take cake very seriously. Um, and, you know, they are given out to people that really either need it or, or love it or appreciate it and will value it because so much time and effort goes into it. It's a month-long period. The fruit that makes up the fruit cake 
are soaked in rum and um, rich wines and spirits for a very long time sometimes, months. Um, some people do it for weeks. Some people only do it for days. I think you should do it for a bit longer than that if you do. Um, but it's soaked so that all the alcohol is infused into the fruits. It makes it quite alcoholic um, in some cases because those fruits have really been soaking their life away into a bottle of probably rare nephew if you're Jamaican. Um, and so, you know, these, this cake is very rich. It has a really dark colour and that's why I think a lot of Americans um, call it black cake because it is quite dark in colour, often a dark brown or a black. Um, and it comes from the molasses and from the dark demerara sugar and the fruit and the rum all soaking together to make this really rich concoction of cake. Now, when I was researching this episode, I was thinking there was going to be like maybe one or two or three or a few islands or countries within the Caribbean that you had fruit cake, had black cake, had a had a rum cake. And I realised that there's a version of this in pretty much every island, even the islands that weren't necessarily um, colonised by the British. Um, and I think that is just because of um, the nature of the Europeans that arrived um, in these countries and, and bringing their own kind of their cakes and pastries and dishes that were then... Um, used and taken and influenced by the culture um, of African people that found themselves in the Caribbean um, and, you know, the cultures of people from Asia, whether that be India or China, or adding their kind of mix and their spices and their take and their touch onto this recipe. And so there are so many versions of it and rum cake doesn't necessarily have fruit in. Some rum cakes are just a sponge that's kind of rummy if that makes sense um and you know not all black cake has fruit in or the fruits blended up so you can't see or notice the fruit it's just got the taste of the fruit um and so there's literally variations across the um the caribbean and and even in america as well of people carrying this recipe and adding their own twist and turn to it um at many different points the most common story with fruitcake is that it was brought over especially in the anglophone caribbean by the british as a fruit pudding um, similar to like a figgy pudding, um, British people used to, I don't think it's as common anymore, but have steamed fruit puddings. I think I've seen it on Bake Off once or twice. Um, but yes, the, the concept of, of fruit, like mincemeat, um, raisins, apricots, sultanas, that kind of thing, dried fruit inside of some kind of heavy, stodgy cake pudding type mix. Um, and that recipe is then picked up um, by those people of African descent and tweaked and changed um, and, you know, the Caribbean fruitcake that we now know and love is created. Um, it's, it is a product of the Caribbean and it's quite interesting, I think, when we think about food, how culture is formed through food and how food is one of the ways that culture travels because, you know, I'm recording this episode in England knowing that there's a fruitcake downstairs because of the migrations in that Windrush period from the Caribbean to Britain and the recipes and the foods and the cultures and the significance of all that when it travels around with people. And it's why fruitcake has kind of made it its way around the world because of migration, because of the fact that food always provides, I think, a sense of home, a sense of identity and a sense, a really strong sense of culture for those that carry it. Now, you might be thinking, well, how did something like figgy pudding turn into Caribbean fruitcake? Because there are a lot of steps along the way um, from the one dessert to the next um, and we've got to talk about then sugar um, and the fact that sugar production was so massive in the Caribbean um, especially on islands such as Barbados, Jamaica, Haiti, Cuba, um, St. Kitts and Nevis um, and in Brazil as well in like um, South America 
um, sugar production was literally turning these islands and countries upside down in terms of the economy and what was being produced. And also, of course, um, the slave trade um, and the fact that African people are being kidnapped from their homes to fund uh, and to work the land to create sugar. Um, sugar is a very laborious crop, especially pre-industrial revolution, where there is like no um, big equipment um, and like, you know, it's literal steam to power um, everything that would help the sugar production. It was on the backs of, of enslaved African people to create this um, crop. And sugar is what creates rum. It's obviously what creates molasses. Um, and they are some of the main ingredients uh, within this cake. There is a story that suggests due to the hot climate of the Caribbean um, and the fact that, you know, something like a cake isn't going to last very long in the heat um, because, you know, there's nothing in there that's necessarily going to preserve it. Whereas alcohol is obviously a great preserver. Um, and so the story goes that in order to preserve the cakes for a longer period of time um, was that alcohol would be infused into the cake um, to help it last as long as possible in the heat. And that is one story. But alcohol, rum especially, um, in some of the Caribbean islands is in such abundance that, you know, it was easy to do. Whereas you might be thinking, well, that's quite expensive to be throwing rum in a cake. Well, if it's going to make the cake last and alcohol is in such abundance anyway, it didn't seem like a crazy thing to do. Um, and so that's initially one of the beliefs of where this idea of alcohol um, and rum especially being inside of um, the cake, the rum cake, the fruit cake, um, starts. And I think we can all imagine that, you know, the first person that might have tried to put the alcohol in the cake and then had a bit of it a few days or weeks later as the cake gets stronger and the um, alcohol like matures and um, gets stronger and stronger um, in the cake, they must have thought, wow, this is fantastic. And obviously, if it worked, it worked and people would have continued to do it. There are also stories that kind of link in America into this context. And I kind of like when America gets linked into these food histories. It happens a lot. If you've listened to the other food episodes I've done in the past, America somehow comes into the story. Um, we say somehow the transatlantic slave trade um, is obviously the reason. Um, but this actually, this kind of part of the story whether it's a myth or the actual truth um i'm not i'm not suggesting anything i say in this episode today is hard facts um it's all stories passed down um families to family um but in the 1920s in america prohibition was a thing alcohol um was not legal i still think that's absolutely insane that america banned alcohol but then it's america so are we shocked? Not really. Um, but it meant that anything with alcohol fetched such a high price because there was such a lure for it because it was not allowed, you know. Um, and so alcohol was often tracked in traffic, sorry, into the US from the Bahamas because um, the Bahamas is only about 182 miles from Florida. And it was literally such a profitable industry that Britain actually expanded the port of um, Prince George Wharf to accommodate for the amount of alcohol passing through it into America. Um, but it was suggested that actually alcohol was put into these cakes because there was such a obviously like craving for alcohol that it was put into the cake. Um, and it, that made what they now know as black cake in America. Um, and it grew so much in popularity that kind of everybody and their grandma had a recipe for it because um, of the pull to the alcohol and this now alcoholic cake that was not allowed um, in any way, shape or form. And I wonder if it was just another way for people to get their alcohol fix without drinking it. Um, because some some people make their cakes very alcoholic. I, as I said, haven't 
had any of them. But there's, I always watch people eat it and some people are like, oh, that's shocking. That's going to, you know, send me to bed early. And other people that the rum doesn't really hit in the same way. But I think it does depend on what what rum you use and at what stage you put the rum in. Because some people just soak their fruits in the rum. And so then that's kind of the fruit of the infused thing. Some people put rum in the mixture. Some people spray the cake with rum after. Some people pour rum on the cake after and then seal it up with like cling film so it all soaks in. There are many ways. Some people do all four of those things. And so their cake is basically a shot. You may as well just have a shot. <laughs> and how did this cake kind of come about to be a Christmas tradition? Well, I'm not really 100% sure, but I think the nature of it being so, so rich um, and it's quite costly, um, I will say, to prepare, um, it becomes something of a tradition, something that you save for special occasions. It's not just had at Christmas. Um, a lot of Caribbean weddings have rum cake um, as the main cake. It's, you kind of look out for it, really, and it's kind of a, like, a, ooh, is the cake going to be good? Is, is that rum cake going to be given what it should be? Um, that's kind of, you know, the thing to do if you're at a Caribbean wedding. Um, but I think it's very clear that this cake is so loved. Um, it's always sought after all times of year but because of the process of soaking the fruits a lot of people opt to just make it once a year at Christmas time for a special occasion um, a lot of the time they're not iced you know they don't necessarily look like the prettiest cake that would sit in the bakery but it's all about the taste I'm told um, the deep the dark color coming from all the fruits and the raisins the currants and cherries and the red wine and dark rum that's soaking through the cake as well as the sugar and eggs and flour and all the usual ingredients um, really make this cake what it is, um, such a rich and, and strong cake. And when it's baking in well, my house anyway, the whole house smells of cake. And it is kind of the beginning of Christmas, I think, when you start to smell the flavours of the rum cake seeping through the house because it's just that time of year. Now, if you intend to make a fruit cake, a rum cake, a black cake, a Christmas cake, um, then unfortunately I can't share the family recipe with you because it is a secret. Um, it just is. And if anybody will give you their, their rum cake recipe, then they must really love you, I will say. But um, from my family and from some of the tips I've picked up in my days watching the cakes being made, um, I hear that it's very important to soak your fruits for as long as possible. I know people that go up to the year, so the fruits will be soaking now for Christmas 2023. I know people that do it for weeks, I know it for months, but I think the best results come from the people that do it for a year, nine months to a year. Also, there's a debate whether you should... Um, spray your cake, drizzle your cake, soak your cake um, in alcohol after you've baked it, after it's cooled. And I think it stands that the majority of people suggest that you should be putting some more alcohol in the cake after it's baked. And then the last tip is when should you eat the cake? Now, you don't make the cake on Christmas Eve for Christmas Day. This is something that's done a week or two weeks in advance because all that rum you've poured on after has to really soak and infuse into the cake, into the soft peaks of cakey loveliness um and so something you've got to do weeks not weeks maybe a week or two in advance of christmas day if you're going to eat the cake on christmas day um just so that you've got the mo like a moist soft rich cake um and because it's so rich and moist you really don't need to eat a lot of it it's a uh, well actually let me not tell you how to eat your cake um you can have a big slice or you can have a small slice you can have it with custard cream 
ice cream or on its own um it's up to you but however you have your rum cake or if you haven't had one then I suggest you find the Caribbean bakery and definitely get some. Um, but I hope you have had or are having a wonderful Christmas time if you are celebrating and enjoying the time with family and with friends. Um, and stay tuned for maybe another food episode coming up in the next week. Um, but until then, I hope you have a wonderful week um, and a great new year when it comes. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in to all these episodes that I have released in 2022. I am really grateful for all the support and for all the people that tune in weekly um, to listen to me go on and on about random topics within Black, British and Caribbean history. Um, I'm really, really grateful. So thank you so much. And I hope you all have a wonderful 2023 when it arrives. Goodbye.